everyone. Welcome to the Bose Church Podcast, where we discuss how pro audio supports the mission of the church. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and with me today is Clint Nolder. He's the lead pastor of Foundation Church in Noonan, Georgia. Clint, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to uh, chat a bit. Yeah, I am as well, so thank you so much. We also have Dr. Fayez Ayub. Dr. Fayez is the lead pastor for North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Dr. Ayub, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm looking forward to talking with y'all. And we also have Don Allensworth, the president of the New Ground Group, which is an organization committed to helping churches with strategic decisions. And Don is one of the leading strategic advisors for churches around the country. Don, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, it's it's a pleasure for me to get to have this conversation with y'all today. And today we're going to talk about how the church can still be the church, even during a time of crisis like what we're seeing currently with COVID-19. Now, the effects of COVID-19 or coronavirus are being felt around the world And as this pandemic has spread, one of the areas of society that's been hit the hardest are our traditional gathering places. And naturally, this is going to include places like restaurants and cafes, but especially with our churches. And this has put pastors, church leaders, and the congregations they serve in a difficult spot. You know, how do you continue to lead and provide for your congregations when you can't meet in the way you've become accustomed to? And how can congregants continue to feel connected and engaged with each other? And what role can technology play in that? So that's what we're going to be talking about today and tackling. So, Don, I want to start with you because you've noticed a trend taking place in churches over the last several years where pastors have had less and less time, on average probably, with their congregations. Um, and uh, what I want to talk about is just that, con- that that trend has made you kind of stop and think about how we do church in general. So tell me more about what you mean by that and kind of explore that topic for me. Well, I think the traditional uh, church model of years gone by, you know, people are at church three or four times a week on average. And, and, uh, even 15, 16 years ago, on average, people were there, you know, three to three and a half hours a week. Whereas, uh, in recent days, you know, you're, we're lucky to get them an hour to an hour and 10, 15 minutes. And so we really have got about, you know, 42 to 45 minutes that are uh, with our people to, to build leaders, but courage in them to demonstrate their faith and to mobilize them for ministry. So it's, it's been an interesting scenario. Uh, we've, been watching this trend literally for the last 17, 18 years. That, that is particularly interesting for me, just uh, as a trend to uh, to notice, I suppose, that the way that maybe people are engaging with the church has changed ever so slightly. And so there are ways, I, I suppose, that to, to make up those gaps, to find ways to um, to interact, to still connect as a church body. Uh, Dr. Ayub and, and Clint, I want to kind of address a question to you guys, just how you've handled this difficult time dealing with coronavirus with your particular congregation. Uh, Clint, why don't we start with you? Just how have you addressed this within your own church body, and what does that look like for you? You know, I'm thankful that um, before you know the the events of the last 30, 45 days or so, that as it's kind of played out, um, just super thankful that God's positioned us over the last couple of years. You know, it's 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 wild to think that God begins to develop things in you before you actually need it, and you know, we've always placed an enormous uh, priority on leadership development and just the idea that uh, Ephesians 4 really um, should be taken really seriously, you know, that uh, as a pastor, my job is to equip the people that God um, trusts me with for works of service so the body of Christ uh, can be can be built up, you know, and there's a, there's a goal there and that, that takes a lot of time. And so thankfully we've had, you know, leaders that have been in positions um, to connect with people more than just what I can do as a as an individual, 
And so as we've gotten to this place of, hey, how are we going to, we're going to be a little even more disconnected in terms of in person, um, the, the, the kind of personal touches and the phone calls, all of that system was already in place and already, you know, working before Corona. And so all we had to do was figure out, you know, the back end piece of how do we take the one hour a week um, and give them something to digest, you know? So it, I, I didn't feel like, man, this was this enormous burden on us um, just because we have some really incredible people um, that were already involved in people's lives in a very pastoral way, um, leading in ministry kind of as we got here. So, you know, our, our task was, you know, um, how do we take the Sunday gathering, give them something to digest at home, and then the personal touches of individual groups, group leaders, team ministry leaders, all that was already existing. Faiz, I, I want to address the same question to you, just how, how did you um, tackle this with your congregations and uh, how have you been able to communicate with them and, uh, and continue kind of spreading the gospel and spreading the message with your church even during this, uh, this difficult time of, of self-quarantine and, uh, and of being aware and being conscious about the public health uh, crisis that's occurring? I, well, I do want to say, I think it's awesome what Clint just said, that, that God's kind of been able to prepare them to be ready to, to kind of engage as well because they already have leaders raised up and a congregation that's already kind of ready to go home and digest together what they've heard on Sunday. Uh, we weren't there. <laughs> um, as a church, that that's not where we were at. So this, this has been, um, we were trying to grow towards that, but this has been a pretty, um, I guess, seismic shift is what it kind of feels like for our church. So uh, for us, um, one of the things that we've done is we've really had to kind of jump onto Facebook Live and send emails out. Um, kind of, we have some live capabilities already that we were doing, but we've been doing stuff every day at lunchtime just for five to seven minutes, just so they have some way to connect to us. Um, because they've, you know, a lot of our congregations older, so they've kind of moved, they've just kind of shut down in their homes. Um, we also have a group of men that have been taking steps to be able to engage the older people in our congregation. So we already had that group set up. So they've, you know, been able to contact some of the widows in our church and stuff like that to see what needs they have, see if they can go grab groceries for them and things like that. So it's been, um, it's, it's a communication adjustment is what I would say for our church. Um, when they're used to gathering and hear it, hear it live and in person for some of them hearing it over video or over um, an email message has been has been difficult for them yeah yeah and and i'm glad you you brought up that that technology kind of aspect um and, and you know some of the efforts that you've taken just in that way of connecting with your congregation and some of the challenges that come along with that and clint i'm curious just from your perspective uh you know how you've been implementing technology in the past and whether or not that's kind of changed and shifted and maybe what that looks like for you uh with where you're at there at foundation church yeah i think you know being a, a church plant um you know, we launched in January 2018, and so technology was just a part of our DNA from the beginning. And, um, you know, we didn't have, you know, a million emails uh, on a list, you know, email addresses on a list that we could send out. And so everything from the beginning um, as we launched and, and grew a launch team and um, and really started weekly gatherings about 11 months into that launch process uh, after being on in, in the city, for about 11 months, we started weekly gatherings. And so, you know, social media was just part of how we communicated. Um, 
I don't think we sent out a mass email, you know, for at least a year, you know, and we just said, you know, found, maybe we should use email, you know, everything just goes out through social media, um, uh, primarily Facebook and, and Instagram. And so those two avenues have already just been kind of churning. And so what we've, you know, kind of said, Hey, you know, we've got these values and this ministry model that's set up, um, to where we were, you know, putting like little bite-sized chunks out, you know, throughout the week of inspirational moments and things like that. And, and just kind of had to say, Hey, how do we take the ministry that we were doing? Um, we have a, a fairly large presence in the public school system. And, and so we just had to ask the question, okay, how do we continue to do ministry in the public school system through social media? And so what we've done is, um, we created a, a studio, you know, in our office space, um, like I think most churches have had to do, you know, a, like a little mobile studio. And, and we've just invited teachers from the public school system to come in. They come in at 10 a.m., um, five days a week, and they provide content. Um, we do a foundation kids fitness Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, we get a media specialist to come in and, and she reads a story and, um, and just engaging that way, you know, um, it seems like, you know, all we, all we did was amplify what we were already doing. We have a volunteer in the public school system every single school day of the year. And so having relationships built previously and just leveraging that talent and that skill that God's placed in other people in the community to say, Hey, we want to give you a platform. We'll take care of the, the technology side and give you a, uh, you know, a platform to stand on. If you'll just continue to use your gifts for, you know, kids that are sitting at home, um, who suddenly, you know, their, their parents who weren't thinking they were going to be homeschool parents are now homeschool parents, you know, um, and trying to give them content and opportunities to connect with their kids. Uh, and then just, you know, some of us just connecting through entertainment, uh, which is pretty entertaining to watch some people, uh, do some of this fitness stuff that hadn't done any fitness stuff before. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's fun to watch people breathe hard. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I, I, I absolutely get that. And I, I would probably one of the, be one of the hard breathers myself if I were, uh, if I were doing it. So I, uh, I, you I, and get me both. Sure. <laughs> I get that for sure. Uh, Don, you know, technology really has come a long way in recent years and just, you know, the use of social media or live streaming pastors and that sort of thing. I, mean, I remember the first time I heard of a church where the pastor was video conferenced in from a different location. Right. And that now seems to be more and more common these days. So how have you really seen technology? Technological innovation change the way churches operate, be it with social media or be it with, you know, live streaming a pastor or uh, all of the different avenues that are now available to, to church congregations. Well, it's interesting, you know, about 18 years ago, I started doing these conferences and, and leadership development seminars where we would strip everything away from the church programming and, and you know, ultimately came down to the point is <clears throat> what if you had 42 minutes, 45 minutes a week with your people and that's all you had? Would that change what you do? Would that change how you did it? Would that change what you say? You know, it really kind of strips leadership down to the core values of what we believe ultimately in our fundamental state of belief and fundamental state of leadership. And so that was very foreign then uh, and yet very effective because people weren't thinking about, you know, how do we move into their homes? We were seeing, you know, all the responses were, well, we would need to build, you know, teams of people to mobilize people to, you know, to, to, to create these care groups and shepherd groups. And it, it, it moves. It's kind of like what Clint said and really Fayez as well, but alluded to, but how do we move, you know, the church out of the four walls out into the community? And um, as I continue to do that over and that seminar and session with leaders for the last 18 years, literally, and technology has really enhanced uh, the opportunity to be able to, to demonstrate that and to, and to see that because, 
as you know, programming, uh, church programming has really decreased instead of it being three or four nights a week, you know, it's, it's a Sunday morning experience or maybe Sunday morning and another, in a weeknight, a single weeknight. But um, apart from technology, uh, it would be very difficult to do that. So I, I truly am grateful. I'm a person that's grateful for technology. Uh, it's been an interesting scenario uh, as it's unfolded and developed. I mean, think about it. Four years ago, we didn't, you know, have Facebook Live. We didn't have, how many years ago didn't, you know, do we not have Facebook? And um, so it's, it's, I think it's positioned churches to be able to really reach the world uh, from their location and to go even further from the office or from uh, someone's home. Uh, it's just opened up incredible doors um, to ministry and to connection. Uh, and so there's so many opportunities out there, so many different services uh, that range from free to, you know, to whatever amount you want to spend, but it's doable because of technology. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and as you talk about that, and, uh, this is not, um, necessarily a question. I just want to get thoughts on it, I suppose. But when I think about the new Testament and the, the, the early church and the struggles that they went through, they really persevered through challenges, right. And, and grew despite opposition and grew through those, um, through those trying times, right, whether it be imprisonment, death, um, anything along those lines, and and I think while um, this certainly pales in comparison to the persecution those those early churches experienced, there's something to be learned and gained from not forsaking meeting together, like the writer of Hebrews talked about, and really finding those ways to uh, to continue to meet together and encourage one another even during during difficult times. And uh, Fayez, I know that's something that uh, you've had to experience there in Tallahassee, um, even with a hurricane, I think, uh, taking, uh, really, really causing a lot of issues when you were, when you, I think first got there. So, uh, how did the church really grow and persevere through that challenge? And how do you kind of take the lessons that you learned from that circumstance and, and apply it into, uh, into what you're doing today? Yeah, I think, I mean, the hurricane felt different because it was, you had a couple days of, Hey, is this thing coming? And then it hits. And then it's just for weeks afterwards, you're just, you're all banded together. Things are maybe weeks is too long, but for several days, you know, no one's at work. You're all helping each other cut down trees. Everyone's outside and about. This is this is longer and more isolating. Um, but I think the thing that um, I would say our church has probably learned in the midst of that stuff has been um, that the personal connections with one another are just huge. Um, and if all we do is say, you know, the only time we get together is Sunday morning in this big building, we're, we're going to have a problem. And so um, we're not going to be able to be the church to one another. So I think for our church, some of the grassroots stuff where we've encouraged them to be calling and checking in on each other. And um, it's lots of phone calls. Uh, the deeper, the, the longer they've been together, the more they've been able to go over to each other's houses and check in. I mean, I'm, I've been shocked at how well connected our church has been after that hurricane knowing who needs yard work or who needs um, they've just done a good job of initiating and kind of paying attention to that. Um, That's been, I think, and a yard work's a simple example, but they know when someone's sick in our church, it's small enough for that to still be the case. They know when, when someone's in trouble, they know who, um, who needs care. They just, they're instinctively good family like that here. I don't know if that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's answering the, the thing you're talking about there, but that's, yeah. That's that's what I've seen. When you go through those hurricanes and there's trees that are coming down and houses that are being remodeled and people that need places to stay, the church has a way of 
of really stepping in and being family. Tyler, I think that's, I mean, what uh, Fias's points are so well made is that it's about ministry of presence, right? And it seems to be that, you know, when there are issues, we see the church step up and really demonstrate this ministry of presence. That's one of the unique uh, situations and circumstances that we see that really usher in church health. And, um, you know, as I work with uh, young and, and growing churches, one of the statements I always make to pastors is, you know, it's important um, for people to, you need to understand that people will feel as good about, you know, seeing you as they did about touching you previously. A, a small church, a pastor can reach everybody, mm -hmm. but a, in a growing church, the goal is, you know, people take comfort in seeing him. They feel the same way about seeing, you know, he, him or her as, uh, as they did about physically talking to them. And so many church planners have a, a struggle getting beyond about 200 people because they feel like the church is out of their control. And quite honestly, it is. But so I think this ministry of presence from a technical standpoint, uh, being present, what Fias is doing at lunch, I've, I've watched them all all week long. You know, that's a ministry of presence in, in the lives of his people. And he's he's there. They feel as good about that as they do about if they're having a one on one conversation, um, you know, the, because of the, the transition in technology and how we communicate and the amount of time we have. Uh, so I just I think I think that's the goal is to realize that we can leverage this for this incredible ministry of presence and interaction. And it doesn't have to be one way communication anymore. Um, that's, that's the positive side of it. I think one of the things that the church learned when things hit your community is that, you know, we have a savior that suffered um, on purpose to save us. And that the church is born out of suffering, a suffering savior. And that, that's the place that he's made us to step into those moments. Like this is the moment that the, the church has our society and culture around us are suffering. and We're suffering with them. You know, the church being what Jesus intended this is a moment for us to flesh that out better than when things are going great and well and easy. It's, it's this moment when there's uncertainty and suffering and struggle that the church can lean into our city and to our neighbors and, um, with, with the presence of Jesus and the good news. I think it's, um, this is the moment we get to be the church in a better way. Yeah, it truly is an opportunity for the body of Christ to really be the body of Christ. Right. And, and to spread that. And with, um, uh, with the efforts that you're able to kind of put forward and, and utilizing technology in a, in a new and a different way, you know, I think is, is a great way as Don was, was alluding to is a great way of spreading that and, uh, and making your presence wider than just, um, just a one-on-one -on -one physical presence. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask just as a way of, uh, following up, uh, to both Clint and, uh, and Fayez is simply, uh, Fayez, you, you indicated just that there are older members of your congregation and that is uh, a unique challenge maybe that technology poses and, you know, how you really try to, I suppose, reach out to those particular members who might not be as technologically savvy or not as comfortable with uh, watching you know, a, a sermon on a television as opposed to being there in person. I know my, the idea of that, and I, I'm thinking about my grandfather, the idea of not being in church, but still watching on a, on a TV screen. Oh my gosh, that would be a, that'd be a conversation with him to behold. But, um, how, how do you kind of try to overcome some of those hurdles and still reach that group of people that still obviously in this time, uh, are especially vulnerable, uh, to the health concerns, but also still need to be ministered to. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, uh, the, 
the older the older people in our congregation, technology is not helping us. Um, they're not on Facebook. Uh, I mean, I still people don't have email addresses. Um, so honestly, our only option is just kind of the good old fashioned phone call. I haven't sent people out to their houses yet, um, but that's that that will eventually be on the list. But but it's like next week we're dividing up the the whole congregation, all the staff. We're making sure everyone everyone gets a phone call from the staff. And if it gets bigger, then we'll have to lean into our deacons. Uh, we're having to do the old fashioned phone calls, man. Just talk to them and see how they're doing because they're not texting, they're not emailing. Um, at least some of the people in our church, we're, we're having to call. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, sometimes the uh, the old fashioned snail mail or uh, or a phone call, uh, you know, works works wonders. Uh, Clint, it, it sounds to me just with it being a church plant, um, and, and with where you're located, and um, and kind of the, the the growth of your church seems to indicate that you have a, a younger congregation. Um, is that the case? And if so, uh, do you have you know an older contingent in your church that is not quite as um, comfortable using technology and that sort of thing, and how are you trying to overcome some of those difficulties? Yeah, what we found is that the the folks that that might not be as um, technologically forward or advanced um, is they're incredibly practical, and um, and they're also incredibly realistic. You know, I think you know they've lived long enough to know that this is unprecedented in uh, in their lifetime as far as just the depth of of how far everything is, is kind of gotten so quickly. Um, and as they're taking a look at it, there are also some folks that recognize, Hey, what I offer the world in my experience and, uh, you know, just the, the, the depth of knowledge is worth holding on to. So I can, I can be someone who's going to follow directions for a couple of weeks. Um, and I think they have, you know, family or extended family here in the church. Um, that, that see them as family and says, Hey, you know, how can we help? How can we help what's, uh, what's happening in your life? Um, to make sure you can stay at home as, as much as, uh, as much as possible. And so, you know, we started, um, this, the very similar old school phone tree, um, this past week, um, we've got a guest experience team, um, that I just met with the guest experience lead and said, Hey, I think, I think we've got to start, uh, calling folks. And so that team has been working all week. I know that they are wrapping up their first round of phone calls um, today. Um, they've tried to do 70 80 calls a day over the last three, four days. Um, and so they're, they're wrapping up, um, you know, 70, 80 phone calls today. And they've been awesome at it. You know, I mean, they, they take notes, they add it to our, our staff prayer list um, that I get emailed every morning um, at eight o'clock. It shows up in my inbox with, an enormous summary of all the prayer requests listed from the, the, the days prior phone calls. And all of those folks are on there, you know, and um, that's one thing that they are great at. The older generation is answering their phone uh, and they always answer, you know, and we, we might, we might try four or five times with a millennial and they're like, nah, I'm just, just not interested right now. Shoot me a text, uh, man, the older generation, they'll pick it up and they'll want to have a conversation. So it's, it's, it's been good. I know there's probably, I guess it's been a, trying to this this last week's gone so fast and crazy i'm trying to remember what day is tuesday or wednesday last week um a guy was we we're having a conversation about you know just how young our church is and um you know i just had it how did i think we were gonna you know weather if you know things really got extreme and things were shut down and um this was before schools closed or anything like that and 
just saying, you know, how do you think we'll survive? And, and I just, I told him, I said, I think we're going to find out very quickly. Did we plant a church or did we plant a Sunday morning brunch club? Um, and you know, the, the, the test of that is going to be in how people respond and care for one another when that one hour is not present. Um, now we say from the very beginning, you know, that the 167 is always more important than the one that the, the one hour we gather on Sundays is just a starting point for our week. It's the, it's the beginning place and that ultimately people are our destination. Um, and even when we are, or have these, these boundaries that are put in front of us for health reasons, people still have to be our destination. And so then it's up to us and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to say, how can we still reach people, um, given different circumstances in terms of those boundaries? And, and I think our, the heartbeat of the, the core people of our, of our, uh, church has really embraced that even in, in this time and whether it's small group leaders, um, or ministry team leads, or even down to just team members that serve on a team together through GroupMe and Zoom video and Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, text messages, phone calls. Uh, they've really done an, an incredible job inside. And I think what we've seen f flow from that is an, an incredible response is, hey, we have an incredible team and an incredible gathering of followers of Jesus, um, that it's not just enough to take care of one another, that if we have this common core, you know, pushing from in, in terms of who Jesus is, how can we take care of our community that maybe isn't a part of that Sunday gathering? And I think that's probably even more important because I think people who have grown up in the church or gone to the church for the last two, three, four years, they could not go to church for the next six or seven weeks. And naturally they've created a rhythm in their life where when church begins back like they would normally do it, they're going to go find a church. Now I might, maybe they don't find our church again. I'm not sure but they'll find a church if that's what they want to do. If that's if that's become who they are. But I think the keeping people on mission is even when church was normal, if that's what we want to call it, the mission was always the lost and the one. And so that doesn't change, you know, that doesn't change at all. And so how can we continue to put people uh, or, or kind of move people's focus or keep people's focus on where are the people in our community that have no one? Who are the people in our community that no one has on a call list for an old fashioned phone tree? Who are the folks that are not connected uh, on Sunday mornings? And how do we leverage what we know about Jesus and what we know about each other to continue to reach those folks? And we've been incredibly, uh, I've been incredibly proud of, of the efforts people have made over the last couple of weeks. And I'm pretty excited about the next couple of weeks in front of us. Absolutely. And, you know, Don, Clint was mentioning some of the various technologies that they were using um, to be in touch with people, you know, be it Zoom video or Skype or, you know, Facebook, any number of these uh, these technologies that are available these days. And, you know, I, when I think about the story of the Bible, I think of lots and lots of opportunities and, and different examples where um, tools were used for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And so, uh, you know, be it five loaves of bread and two fish or whatever it may be. So what are the tools that are available um, that, that you have experience with or that you've seen that can really be used for churches to reach out to congregations, for church leaders to be able to still stay connected uh, even during these times? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I work with churches of all different sizes and many multi-site churches and some of the, you know, large multi-site churches really in the world. And in kind of this trend the last two weeks to, to really move to the simple to move back to not not full broadcast studio quality everything, but to move to the simple to the simple. And great kind of a great lesson that kind of affirms what Clint was saying earlier is we've got a church local here 
who on average runs about 620 people a weekend. Um, and so they, you know, began scrambling and last Thursday made the decision to be online only like so many other churches did. And they, uh, through Facebook watch parties and Facebook live, they had, uh, over 6,200 unique homes online at the same time. So that's, that's exponential opportunities for the gospel. That's exponential opportunities to, to reach more people, those that are in the church, those that are seeking. And, uh, so I think, I think even just moving back to the kind of a, what is a good standard? So, so many, um, the, the fact is, is that a church can move to an online presence, um, streaming live or assimilated live, which is what I recommend to kind of pre-record a message and then to upload it to Facebook premiere or YouTube premiere, set the time and then let the people in your church, um, market that, let them, the, all the hosts you have every weekend, let them jump online with you and be hosting greeters for, for the conversations. Uh, the platforms, you know, from the basic standard uh, starting point would be, you know, Facebook Live and, and YouTube, Vimeo. But then there are so many other platforms that are available. Living as One is a, a great organization that really helps churches of all sizes I've got a church that runs about 75 that's using Living as One. I've got a church literally that runs 35,000 a weekend that uses Living as One. And they help monitor the, the stream, and uh, they offer uh, so many different tools uh, for uh, the users. Um, Life Church um, online has, uh, you know, uh, chat rooms and live prayer opportunities. There's just so many out there. But, but I would say this is that, you know, focus on the simple. You literally can move your church online with a cell phone uh, and internet uh, and upload uh, videos, you know, to a Facebook live event. That's what so many churches that have millions of dollars worth of broadcast equipment are doing. They're, they're paring down and moving that direction. So I'm, I'm encouraged by that and the creativity that's coming from that. We have an opportunity to really multiply the message of Jesus through technology uh, in, in this tough time. And what I like about what what you just said is that it sounds like these solutions are available and work for congregations of any size, right? And so it doesn't matter if you're a church of 70 or a church of 70,000, there are solutions and opportunities there that, that fit any particular need. Yeah, when you think about it, you know, there are 34 million people a week uh, on average in the United States that um, attend churches that are averaging 450 people or less. The majority of these churches don't have uh, broadcast quality capabilities. And so, you know, that that's 34 million people in, in churches that are 450 or less. That represents 89% of evangelicals in the United States are meeting in churches that size or smaller. And so for a church to say we can't do that because we don't have the equipment, my, my suggestion is go recruit a 12 or 14-year-old and uh, have him or her help you sit down in front of his, his or her phone, have them help you capture, record, you know, a, an encouraging word and upload it. Um, we do know that, uh, you know, users of technology are uh, increasing in age. We know Facebook and uh, YouTube. I mean, I've got friends with grandparents that, you know, if I'm around them, they can't keep their phones out of my face showing me, you know, crazy <laughs> videos and everything else. So, I, I, there are many that don't have that, obviously. 
Um, and so, it's, you know, but I think that I think it's a combination of both and right. So the mess, the method changes. Billy Graham once said to Barbara Walters in an interview years ago, the method always changed, but the message never does. Mm. That's what I'm excited about in this day and time with the church is I don't think I think this is a turning point in how we do church, not what we do. And it, it puts us in a position to leverage the opportunities that we have to reach uh, the maximum number of people and to waste the least amount of time. So I think it's an Acts 2 model. I really do. I think it's an Acts model that we're seeing in modern day times. Absolutely. No, that I, I think that's I think that's a powerful word. And um, yeah, really, really sh- strikes a chord with me just in, in what you said and, and just the way that you talked about changing how we do it, but that the message stays the same and that uh, the gospel stays the same and that remains the central theme and the central goal. Um, Faiz and Clint, I, I'm curious just about uh, with everything that's going on and with uh, the way that church services typically look, is is that going to change for you at all, be it with music or anything like that? How do you adjust um, just with different platforms and maybe using different technology and that sort of thing? Does it look the exact same for you or does it, uh, does it maybe change as a result? You know, for us, um, we rely so much on, you know, a lot of the um, lighting and, you know, different, different atmospheric effects and just creating, creating environments. And, you know, so we've, we've just done really simple. It's just, you know, we light up a corner of the office and turn the cameras on and, uh, and then begin to give content. And we're, we're incredibly blessed to have a couple of guys that, um, that have an audio engineering background, uh, that are a part of what we do. And so we're still able to do some live music that, that comes across, um, you know, in a really positive and, and clean sounding way. And, and so we're able to do that. It's not as much, uh, you know, we do a couple of songs and I bring, um, you know, uh, at least attempting to bring an abbreviated message time. Uh, and then we you know, kind of have an action step that follows that. So it's, it's, it's definitely shorter and, um, doesn't have all of the elements, you know, um, and it certainly doesn't have all the lights and, and all the other things that kind of go with it. So it's, I think I think simple is is kind of what we're trucking on right now. Yeah, we uh, are for us. We're just kind of looking forward to getting getting into living rooms with one another. Is kind of uh, our, our video stuff is. I mean, it's not awesome. It's, it is pretty simple, just like Clint said. Um, but right now, the planning that we're making right now is we think the the restrictions are going to get tighter. So we're planning for as those restrictions start start to loosen up. Uh, we don't think it's going to go zero to overnight. That all of a sudden, one day we wake up and we're all going and gathering in huge groups. Uh, I think people are going to be gun shy. So we're in the process of planning, trying to get leaders so people can start uh, who aren't already engaged in things, meeting in much smaller groups in living rooms. Um, honestly, just to discuss the Bible. I mean, we're going to. I mean, we're not even probably going to use technology in that. It's probably just um, going to be, we're going to read a chapter of the Bible and then ask the questions. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about um, what he's done and who we are? Um, and that That's kind of our thing. We talk about, you know, um, just kind of the simplicity of where we're headed next. For us as a church that was used to only gathering and still working on meeting in home groups, 
the ability to make even smaller groups and more of those available in living rooms is going to be a big deal for us in the future. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, Don, you know, when technology kind of gets gets brought in, there are some things that need to be considered and at least thought through, I suppose, when it comes to potential pitfalls or things that people might not expect, whether it's technological difficulties or even just music licensing and, and that sort of thing. So kind of walk us through some of the pitfalls and just things that churches should be aware of, that church leaders need to uh, at least consider maybe before... Um, before diving in, you know, kind of with both feet on on technological uh, innovations and ways to uh, to do church a little differently. So kind of talk us through some of those things that people should just be aware of. Well, you, you kind of alluded to, to CCLI, the Christian Copyright Licensing, which is for streaming. Uh, if you're playing music, uh, songs, worship songs that you know don't belong to you, then, um, you know, they, they, they're, they can pull you offline very quickly. As a matter of fact, I've got some larger churches that actually, you know, wrote the songs and they did not uh, market, they did not uh, represent CLI license number, and so they pulled them off temporarily. So th- that's that's one thing. It's really important that you have that licensing. You can just literally Google CCLI and you can sign up pretty quickly there. I think, I think from a practical standpoint, the uh, biggest challenge when streaming and you as a church begins to is really in getting the audio correct. Um, you know, Clint is fortunate and has a, a couple of great audio engineers that can kind of mix for the online uh, experience. But it's very different in a room as compared to online. And so to be able to to work and tweak that and to and to, and to understand that those challenges and to just spend some time working on it really helps. One of the one of the great um kind of advances it's uh, is is a called the code series uh, portable church industries and uh and living as one the streaming company and the portable church company they're they're the top in their game came together and developed this um a software hardware application called the code series and it allows uh churches to uh to plug in cameras and to to stream on a three meg uh bit with relatively small a small upload directly to youtube to vimeo to facebook live to their streaming platform but it, it gives you options as uh, to take audio out uh, you know, from HDMI or from uh, other inputs, depending on what kind of camera you're using. So, you know, there's just such a variety of opportunities there. But but I would say that uh, my advice is this, is that, you know, for a church that's not there yet, get online, start, just start. Don't try to be perfect, just start. Uh, you know, the people are pretty patient and they understand scenario-wise. But I do think that this has changed. How? Not what, but it's changed we communicate and we connect and I think it, we're going to see a blended approach in the future I love what Faya says you know with uh, the gatherings may not come back that quickly the, the large group gatherings into into home gatherings and to, and, and to continue to have pastors you know encourage their people every day um, as this transition occurs but, um, you know I think I think there's some time to get uh, those things right but I would not wait to get started. My advice for any church is to not wait to get started until you have it right. Get started. Now, typically, I'm the guy that says, let's get it right before we before we don't. But uh, I'm, I'm reversing that in this time. I think it's more important for your people to hear from you and to see you and have a ministry presence from key leadership, um, you know, online, via calls, all those things, than it is to, to wait for it to be per- perfected. Uh, we're going to see some evolution. 
over the course of the next three to six weeks, and for that matter, three to four or five months, in how um, this is demonstrated. We'll see new applications, new platforms coming. Uh, we're going to see uh, platforms that have been monthly charged pl platforms that are you know, going to become free. There's so many churches. Another thing I would say is this is contact churches in your local area. We've got a church in Columbia, South Carolina, that um, they just opened a new building, Crossroads Church, uh, Pastor Jeff Shipman. And when this happened last week, the first thing he did was he invited every church in Columbia that did not have a place to record to come to their church because of the facilities they have. And they just have been cranking out um, recordings for these pastors and, and leaders to and helping them coach them through uploading and, and doing that. So I think that I think we're going to see more of that. Um, uh, ultimately, I think the kingdom of God is going to benefit. Here's my question that I would challenge everybody with. What if we don't look at this as the worst case scenario anymore? What if we look at this as the best case scenario for the gospel to be able to be leveraged with technology? I mean, that's that's really the key thing. Um, this is, this is the platform. This is where we are. We're, we can never be where we're not. This is where we are. And, you know, we've got incredible partners like Bose Pro, for example, who's, who I'm grateful for, uh, you know, really allowing us this opportunity and forum today. But they're really stepping in and, and, and as thought leaders, helping pastors and churches and leadership uh, fulfill their mission. That is the goal of, of this part of, of Bose Pro. And so there are, I just think we're going to see more and more uh, opportunities and tools uh, come, but I, I would just encourage people to keep it keep it simple. Understand that you know, Facebook Watch, what a great app. Uh, if you have a smart TV, if you have uh, senior adults, maybe maybe it's it's wise to help them set up their smart TV and and download the Facebook Watch app so that they can literally hit a button and watch your services on Sunday morning whenever they're streaming. There's so many opportunities like that. So it's not just about whether or not they know how to use it. It, it could be a part of equipping them to be able to use it. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think you're. I think you're 100 right about that. Just that uh, this is an opportunity, and I, I think what you said about you know this just is where we are, and you can't be where you're not. Um, and to, to see this as not the worst case scenario, but as, as the place where God has put us at this particular time. And there needs to be, uh, a, a response to that and a response by the church to that. And I loved getting to hear that story about how a church is opening up their doors for, uh, other churches to use their facilities and, uh, and their recording capabilities, I think is, uh, is an absolutely incredible example. And, uh, and Clinton Fayez, I'm curious, just, I know it's probably hard to project out in the future when so much of, of what we're dealing with is, is kind of a clear and present thing, but do you see this as um, something where there can be evolutions or innovations um, through this time that really continue and continue to reverberate years down the road and maybe just slightly alter how you do things or, or the way that you approach, be it creating content online or, or different things like that? Do you see something like this um, kind of being a, being the impetus for uh, maybe some, some changes down the road just in how you approach um interacting with your congregations. Fayez, uh, let's start with you. Just uh, do, do you see this as, as maybe an opportunity uh, to to alter some things going forward? Yeah, for, for us as a church, I, I think it kind of fast-forwarded things for us. Um, you know, there was I think there was resistance for some of the changes we've been talking about at times. And then what this allows is out of necessity, 
when when the opportunity to gather in one room and do everything that we want to do traditionally, when that goes away, uh, by necessity you you have to you have to change. And I, I think this has fast forwarded things for us. I think um, pretty quickly. I think it's been a, a great opportunity. And and um, for me, as far as the church relationship, us we wanted people to be meeting in homes more often. So this fast forwards that. We wanted people to get to know their neighbors, um, not just from a distance, but um, we, we wanted them to know what's kind of going on. And I think that this this creates an opportunity for the church to really engage the people next door to them. And then um, for us as leaders in the church, um, man, I do think it creates it's for us. It's just been fast forwarding everything. So I think, yes, it, it definitely has been good for that. Yeah, I think on you know our end, when I just take a look at, um, at pastors that I get to have an interaction with on a pretty regular basis, you know it's you know what's what's most successful and then leads to most celebrated is most eagerly repeated, right? And I think during this time, if if the heart behind what we're doing is, um, hey, I'm just trying to get by, or if the heart is. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to discover a new way to continue doing what I was already doing because the calling on my life as a pastor or as a, you know, a, a, a layman or uh, a follower of Jesus who works at the grocery store as a car mechanic, if that, that calling on your life in terms of what Jesus wants to accomplish through you and your neighborhood uh, and in your community hasn't changed, just how that works, you know, I think if, if that's the heart behind it, then you'll find things that are successful because, you know, there's there's nothing in the world if, if Jesus has overcome sin and death. You know, um, you know, coronavirus, COVID nineteen is you know somewhere uh, short of death. You know, um, for the vast majority of folks that 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 are impacted by it, sure, certainly it, uh, for some it it does reach that uh, that place. But even Jesus has a promise that beyond that, hey, even if this ends the life here, I still have life everlasting. You know, and so with that promise and understanding that, I, th- I think we're just motivated to continue doing what we were already doing, just in a different way. And if if that's the case, then the things that are successful, um, I think we'll continue to repeat. Um, if if I think it's all about heart, you know, it's um, regardless of the circumstances, am I going to follow? Am I going to follow Jesus? And so I think there are things that will be successful um, in these moments. Um, and then when things begin to open back up or loosen back up or our freedom is, is kind of uh, given to us to, to kind of move about a little more freely um, without some worry uh, and health concerns, um, then if the heart stays the same, then maybe methods change back or, or they're evolve. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's just simply about when I wake up in the morning, am I seeing the back of Jesus because I'm still following him or have I lost him somewhere because I'm a- attempting to, you know, to achieve something else that is either an easier way of following Jesus or the more convenient way or the, the, the way that I get more followers, you know, that kind of thing. As long as, as long as we're at the backside of Jesus, looking at his back, uh, getting into the dirt that he's getting into, I think we'll be fine. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fantastic word. And uh, thank you both for, for sharing that. I, I appreciate it very much. Now, just kind of as we begin to wrap up, I want to give you guys the opportunity and just kind of turn it over to, uh, to each of you individually. Um, to share a word, just uh, either be it to other pastors around the country who might be listening to this, other church leaders, uh, anybody who might be listening to this podcast, just whatever you want to share just about this time uh, dealing with coronavirus uh, and 
uh, how you are continuing to lead your churches, just whether it's a word of encouragement or, or guidance, whatever you want to do. Uh, Don, let me turn it over to you. Just uh, if there's anything else that you'd like to share to people uh, who, who might be listening to this podcast, uh, what would you like to say? Well, I'll just say this is that, you know, for years on our refrigerator door, you know, we had a, a note pinned or taped, you know, wherever we wake up tomorrow, we're going to be faithful. And, and what that means, I think, is very uh, appropriate today is that circumstances don't dictate whether or not we're faithful. Uh, it may dictate how we demonstrate that faith. And, and so gathering, gatherings and community, you know, uh, look different, feel different, but they're not limited to four walls and a co- coffee bar. They're just not. And I would say this is that, you know, as leaders, men and women of God, um, appointed by God uh, to lead the church, you know, that you're God's stewardship and that you're sufficient. Uh, and uh, my challenge is, is to wake up tomorrow and and do what you can do to to put courage in your people to help them demonstrate their faith. Don't limit your discipleship or equipping. Uh, you know, jump on Google uh, Hangouts, do whatever it takes, and, and begin to equip your church in using the tools that are available to them for small groups and all those things. Uh, and just and literally be faithful. Let let God do what he, He's going to do, and, and you simply do your part. Uh, this is not hopeless at all. Uh, there's a lot of help out there for you. Um, you know, reach out to us. Uh, there's a lot of help out there for you. Reach out to others in your local area. We will make sure you have those resources that you need. Absolutely. Clint, let me uh, give you the final word here. Yeah, I'd say um, yeah, if you're a pastor and you're listening, and, you know, just unsure of what's next or maybe you're half sure, um, I'd say just a few things. First, um, if the word bold isn't part of your strategy, um, rethink it. Um, I think boldness is uh, in line step with who Jesus calls us to be, that we shouldn't be people that are timid and fearful. Um, but but boldness ought to, ought to be a, a word that's described or used to describe the church uh, and the people of the church. Uh, the second thing would be don't underestimate the strength of the unity of people who follow Jesus. Um, I know for me last weekend, we were attempting to, um, to take a first step as we, you know, went to online gatherings only. And we have a local food ministry, uh, that really does an incredible job in our community at, uh, reaching out to food insecure families and children, um, in our County. And, you know, they were just struggling, you know, as a food bank, they receive, uh, the overflow from what grocery stores have, you know, in their surplus, but, when everyone goes to the grocery store and buys everything off the shelves, there's no surplus to give to food banks. And um, typically there's a central hub in Atlanta that receives from all over the country and they were running low. And so just their ability to meet needs week in and week out in our county was just kind of at a, uh, at a low spot um, with, you know, more weeks to come as this was just really getting started. And so, you know, we just said, hey, we want to raise a little bit of money. Um, and so we, we just said, hey, you know what? We want to, you know, partner together with another church in our community. And just try to raise ten thousand dollars in ten hours. You know the the food the food bank strength is people, uh, not fundraising. And so we said, can we can we allow them to walk into the office on Monday morning, and work in their strengths? And so we wanted to raise ten grand in ten hours. And uh, so we put it out there to our churches, and uh, raised just over twenty thousand dollars in about six and a half hours or so. Um, and just kind of blew me out of the water, you know. And I'd underestimated. I thought it was going to be a difficult challenge for us. Um, we raised the first 10 grand in less than 10 minutes. Um, it was unreal. Um, what, what people were just willing to do when they realized, you know what, in the name of Jesus, we, we together can, 
can can bring what we have, what little we have together when we do it by the hundreds, uh, it adds up to something pretty substantial. And the third thing is, uh, I think followers of Jesus, we are at our best when we're focused on the lost. Um, and the moment that we get focused on one another uh, and exclusively on one another and one another's welfare, um, I, I think we I think we lose something because there was never a moment when Jesus just said, "Hey, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just me." Um, I mean, even even the relationship with one of his closest friends, Lazarus, Lazarus, he's like, "Hey, I, there's going to be an opportunity to bring the." bring glory to God. And that glory shown outwardly in that community brought people to understand just who God and, and the son of God was. Uh, and so there's never a moment when the lost can be forgotten or excluded, um, or, or on the back burner or the problem we'll get to when things get back to normal. Um, Jesus summarized what he was about when he said, Hey, I'm here to seek and save the lost. And he could have said anything else. He could have said he was here for anything else. Um, and he decided that's how he wanted to summarize why he was here. And so if, if, if at any moment our summary begins to sound something radically different than that, I think we've strayed a little bit too far. So I think boldness has got to be a, something that describes who we're doing. Um, don't underestimate the strength of the unity of followers of Jesus. Uh, and then we're at our best when we're focused on the lost. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for joining me and for being a part of this uh, this Bose Church podcast. Uh, I think that it's been uh, just an absolute pleasure getting a chance to hear from each of you just on what the Lord is doing through this particular circumstance, um, what uh, solutions are out there uh, in this uh, in this uncertain time, and how you're each handling it, and uh, what you're doing to continue to further the kingdom. So, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Thanks for thank having you. us, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, everybody, thank you for joining us. And for more information, including church audio tips and tricks, answers to common audio challenges, and even product giveaways, sign up for the Bose Worship Registry at pro.bose.com slash Bose Church. That's pro.bose.com slash Bose Church. Make sure to go there and you can get more information and that sort of thing. Everybody, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Bose Church Podcast. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Until next time, stay safe and uh, continue uh, spreading the kingdom of God, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you again. Mm -hmm.